This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9 limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is MC Money reporting from you live from Connecticut, USA. And I am joined by certain the creepy soccer dad. And again, once again, prayers going out to Houts as, as he uh, continues to, to spend time with family, well-spent time as his father passed away suddenly uh, two weeks ago. And so we continue to pray for Houts. And for the Miami Dolphins, certain... We have a lot going on because guess what? Today, Wednesday, July 26th, the Miami Dolphins players reported to training camp for the 2017-2018 season. And boy, oh boy, was it an exciting day for the Miami Dolphins, even though no action on the field. We have a ton of updates, starting with late last night, Andy Slater with the Slater scoop. Talking about <laughs> and uh, potentially retiring. Nothing was made official today. Koamisi placed on injured reserve. There is no designation to return for Koamisi, but which effectively ends his season this year. So Andy Slater said that he was going to inform the team 
that he is retiring today. He may have, and the Dolphins may have said, listen, you know, you're on IR, no need to retire. Let's uh, treat you, you know, let's, let's get you some treatment here, and then we'll see where we can go from there. So maybe that's what's going on. Additionally, Rashawn Scott, wide receiver, plays on the physically unable to perform list. Mike Pouncey, we'll talk about this a little more in just a bit, getting the clearance from doctors to participate in football activities. Rashad Jones placed on the injury list with a minor injury. Nothing to be concerned about there. We'll touch on that very, very briefly. It's the non-football injury list. He tweaked, he tweaked an injury. Uh, it's not a shoulder. Tweaked an injury uh, in the workouts leading up to training camp. So all of that, plus Alteron Werner signed with the Miami Dolphins yesterday. He will compete at slots. We'll also touch on that in just a little bit. Also going on the non-football injury list is offensive tackle Avery Young. Now, that is different from Rashawn Scott, who is on the physically unable to perform list. The physically unable to perform list for Rashawn Scott means that it's a football-related injury. Usually, the physically unable to perform list is when a player uh, fails their physical. But since Adam Gates mentioned this in his press conference yesterday, before the players were actually reporting, it was most likely an injury that he sustained in one of the mini camps uh, several months, several weeks ago. Now, Devon Smith running back and offensive tackle, Eric Smith, was activated from the physically unable to perform list. The injury to Avery Young was not disclosed. Now, for Rashawn Scott, I mentioned it just a few weeks ago that he, he was injured. And the deal with that is he sustained a foot injury late in the offseason training program with Miami. And, of course, is now starting training camp on the uh, physically una unable to perform list. So what that means is Rashawn Scott is not allowed to practice as long as he remains on the list, but the team can remove him from any time once the medical clearance is received. However, once he practices at any point during training camp, he cannot be added to the physically unable to perform list. And that's not just for Scott. That is for any player. Any player who practices at any point during camp cannot be added to that list. Now, for Jones and Young, Rashad Jones and Avery Young, they uh, cannot practice with the team, but they will be allowed to attend all team meetings. They will conduct rehab work until they are cleared to return to football activities. Jarvis Landry, not a surprise, but he did report to training camp. And that is basically the rundown for today and yesterday. I'm not sure if I missed anything, Sutton. Let me know if I did, if, if, if you had anything out there that you may have read that I missed. But I think I covered everything. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit on everything. I think the only thing I can throw in there is that I believe I saw a tweet from Mises' agent come out um, that said that he was not retiring. That's really the only caveat of that whole situation. But like you said, going to let it play out with the organization, and I trust the organization to do the right thing. And um, if it does force COA into retirement, inevitably, um, I just want to say a big thank you to him. Uh, I know the injury bug has hit him pretty severely the last few years, and it just um, kind of heartbreaking to see a player put everything out there on the field and have his body kind of give out on him. And uh, just thoughts and prayers to him, and hopefully he battles back quickly. Yeah, I saw a lot of tweets last night, some really harsh ones towards Koamisi, and a lot of second-guessing, too, a lot of bringing up the draft from when he was drafted. People saying, oh, Gronkowski was drafted after him, Earl Thomas was drafted after him. 
And listen, guys, you can look at every single draft in NFL history, and you can look at every team that participated in the draft in NFL history, and you could pinpoint a lot of different misses for every single team, every single coach, every single general manager. The draft is an imperfect science. If it was a perfect science, there would be teams who hit on 100% of their picks, but they don't. Well, and, well, not only that, not only that, Matthew, but he uh, he survived quite a few different coaching regime changes, and it seemed like every coaching staff just loved this guy to death. So I think there's something to speak for that too. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it, it also speaks volumes that he was being not counted on, but being given another chance by Adam Gates, who who came in and doesn't doesn't take any crap from anybody. And he was willing to give Nisi one other chance to, to get right and to get back on the field. And it's just, it's just too bad. It is a sad situation. You never want to be forced away from the game. And unfortunately, this is what is happening. Yes, his agent says that he would like to play again, of course. But the reality is, is this. He, he didn't play last year. Or if he did, he played very minimal. It's not playing this year. Uh, going to be basically two years off of the game. Hasn't played a full season in a while. Uh, it's probably the end of the road for Koa, but perhaps the Dolphins told Koa, listen, if you you stay with us, be on IR, we'll get you treatment here. It's better than being retired. I mean, I don't know if that's what they said, but perhaps that's what they did. But we'll see how that uh, shakes out from here on out. All right, let's talk about another player who has been injured uh, for the past several years. That would be Mike Pouncey. Mike Pouncey was cleared for football activities by his doctors yesterday. And what that means is, yeah, he can practice. He can play. He can do football activities. However, the Dolphins are being very cautious with him. They don't want to throw him into action. Adam Gates even said in his press conference the other day, he does not even need to see Mike Pouncey in preseason games. Okay. So the day one plan for Mike Pouncey, according, according to Adam Gase, he says this. Adam Gase said, we have a whole bunch of different scenarios right now that could possibly come up after we get more information. Working with our guys that have been dealing with him, we put together all these different contingency plans as far as, all right, he can do individual, and then we can do practice, and here's his rest day. So that looks like, you know, the kind of plan they're going to take it day by day. They're going to see how Mike is reacting, and they're going to see how his uh, hip is holding up to the different tests they put him through. Now, when Adam Gase was asked about the importance of having Mike Pouncey in the lineup for up to or more than 16 games, here's what Gase had to say. He's an elite player at his position. You guys have been around him long enough. His leadership skills are just natural. People gravitate to him, whether it's players, coaches, or fans. He's just got whatever the it factor is. He has that. Anytime that you can have one of your best players in the huddle every game, that's to our advantage. You just never know what's going to happen. I know all he can do is just keep doing what he's been doing and working hard and trying to prepare himself as well as he can. And then after that, it's kind of see what happens. Now, Sutton, you heard those words from Adam Gase. You've seen Mike Pouncey play. You've done film work on Mike Pouncey. You're the Mike Pouncey guru. All right, let's just put it. Right up to the center and on the table. You know Mike Pouncey better than anybody else on the internet. Mike Pouncey being well, in the lineup obviously is huge. Even Randy McMichael has said it before on our show. 
when the when when Mike Pouncey's in the lineup, it's a different offensive line. So for you getting Mike Pouncey in there, are you concerned with him not playing in any preseason games, or do you think he'll be ready to go come week one? And this kind of conveniently fits right in with our first question on the live thread, and it's about how do you see the Dolphins managing Pouncey's practice time, and do you think it will affect his level of play? Um, you already touched on it. I think they'll probably bring him back fairly gingerly, take a fluid approach with it, see how the hip's responding. Um, if it starts to get inflamed or anything like that, they're going to shut it down for a little while. But I'm absolutely not concerned in the slightest about um, them taking a slow approach with this. Um, the only way I see it manifesting is maybe early season, late game situations where there might be some fatigue there. Um, but other than that, um, but going into his film a little bit, I know Gase is very high on him. And if QB stats can be a win-loss sort of thing, then Mike Pouncey being in our lineup can be a win-loss sort of thing because the win-losses speak for themselves. We're just we, – we, we win more games when Mike Pouncey's in the lineup. Fact of the matter. Um, getting deeper into the film, I think there are a few concerns, though. Um, and when you think about it with hip injuries, and it's hard to tell how long these hip injuries have been lingering with him and how um, maybe they didn't address it soon enough. But anyway, uh, have a hip injury, offensive linemen get all of their power from their trunk, from their core. So when you don't have functioning hips, uh, it makes it really tough to get leverage. And when you don't have leverage as an offensive lineman, that's not a good thing. Um, What I can speak for with Mike Pouncey, though, is he is phenomenal when he gets to the second level. He gets great angles getting into the linebackers. And so I think when you look at some of those big runs from Ajayi, you see Pouncey playing a part in those. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see, A, how he – how slowly he does need to come back um, because there is the cohesion thing with offensive line. We know what we have in Mike Pouncey, but it certainly helps to be able to play next to him every single day and practice as well. So I think that will be the ultimate defining factor with this whole situation is, is when Pouncey does come in, are they as cohesive as they could be? And that's going to be the, the question, right? If when, because preseason, we hear offensive linemen say it every year in training camp. Training camp and preseason is a time for offensive lines to gel together, to get on the same page, to get the chemistry that they need. So with Pouncing out of the lineup, you look around, right? So you're probably going to get Asiata. I would guess if everything goes according to plan, he's going to be a starter. You're going to get Bushrod, most likely, on the other side. Yes! <laughs> Bushrod, Bushrod knows him a bit. We got Juwan James who knows him a bit, Tunsil who knows him a bit, but but still you need to you need to get that chemistry going. So it's going to be hard unless, unless Pouncey is that good and that smart and has that good of an instinct to jump right in there and understand what he needs to do to help those around him. That's the only way, and that that does concern me in terms of them not getting the chemistry that they need going into week one against a very tough Tampa Bay opponent. And, and yes, Tampa Bay is tough. You draft O.J. Howard, you got Jameis Winston, you got Mike Evans. I mean, our secondary is not something to write home about. 
Well, and Matthew, Gerald McCoy is going to be lining up at deep tackle against us. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a quick early test for the interior of that offensive line. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out for sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And speaking of our secondary, the Dolphins, and speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dolphins signed an alter on Werner yesterday, and he is expected to compete at the slot. And Barry Jackson had a nice write-up today on him in terms of a few notes, and I know you've been tracking his agent side, so why don't you fill us in in terms of what you heard from Werner's agent? Yeah, so I just I saw an article earlier today, and basically what it was saying is that the timing of this signing makes it seem like a desperate move on Werner's part uh, yep. just because it's right as training camp is starting and, and he signed for the vet minimum. Um, but it, he did have other suitors and he was able to be in a position where he could be a little choosy and he did choose the Dolphins obviously. Um, but the main reason was he saw some young pups at uh, that there was competition at cornerback. So that was something he actually looked forward to. And he also wanted to go to a team that had some strong horses up front. And I think we can agree that this, this defensive line could be scary this year. Um, so there were, there were a few factors for him choosing us, and it wasn't just a desperate thing. It was a conscientious decision. And I think that's important for fans to remember when they, when they see the Dolphins signing guys at the last minute and then everything else, you might think, oh, wow, they're panicking a bit. But really, it's, it's a message to be sent, right? It's a message to be sent to Bobby McCain. Bobby McCain, we all know, needs to get better. And Adam Gase said and constantly says that you can never have enough cornerbacks. And, and for Gase, you know, this is just adding one more to, to the bubble and, and one more to compete and to push the other guys around him. Now, what Barry Jackson said of the Miami Herald was this. Uh, Ferner, who's five foot 10, 28 years old, he is going to play uh, in the slot, at least start out there. He is going to play a little bit on the outside there and, and get a few reps there. But Werner, mainly, he's going to be in the slot and competing against McCain, as I just mentioned. Now, Werner was drafted in the fourth round out of UCLA by the Titans in 2010. Werner has 15 interceptions, including five in 2013. Last season, he allowed a 67.9 passer rating in his coverage area. Now, let's put that into perspective, folks. Bobby McCain allowed a 113 rating in that area. Let me repeat that. 113. Let me repeat Werner's 67.9. For those who may not be that talented in math like me and need to whip out the calculator, that is a difference <laughs> of 45.1 coverage points. That is staggering. That is absolutely staggering. Okay. So he only now allowed Vernon. Go that, ahead. Sorry, Matthew. Uh, the, the flip side of that um, is that the Dolphins organization, from what I've seen, has been a little disappointed. They thought they were going to be getting a ball hawk out of McCain, and you've only yeah. seen one interception over the course of his career so far. Yeah. On top of the QB rating thing that you're mentioning now, in Werner's, um, I guess to play devil's advocate, Werner had significantly fewer snaps than Bobby McCain did last year. So there's, I guess, McCain had more opportunity to get picked on. 
Um, and, you know, Werner got beat out by Hargreaves. And, you know, they brought Brent Grimes over. So, you got to factor that into it. But at the end of the day, we signed him for the vet minimum. This is a low-risk, above-average return type of investment. And it seems like we're getting better at that as an organization, getting those types of deals, getting contracts in there that players can only outperform. Because if they don't live up to the standards, guess what? We just paid that minimum. So there's really no risk in the signing at all. And we, get no that comp- and, and we get that competition for McCain there. And I think that was one of my concerns going into the draft. So it's kind of nice to have a vet presence there to be able to challenge him if the job's not getting done well. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no risk and zero guarantee on it. So, you know, let me continue what I was saying about Werner. And, and people are wondering, well, why was Werner unsigned for so long? Here's why. Though his passer rating against the completion percentage were good, they were not good in 2014 and 2015. In 2014, he allowed a 111.1 passer rating and his 68.6% completion percentage against, according to PFS. In 2015, it was a 100 passer rating in his coverage area with 70.5% of the passes thrown against him completed. However, when you look at his entire body of work, his passer rating against in all five of his other NFL seasons fell between 55.8 and 80.8%. Now there's more. Burner was called for 11 penalties in 46 games for Tampa Bay. And the 13 passes that Werner did allow completions on averaged 15.5 yards. So while we, we don't need to get excited too much because at the end of the day, there's a reason why Werner's on the market, right? And there's a reason why Werner was unsigned for this long. Obviously, he needs some help getting his mechanics down the right way again. He needs to work on his foundation a little more and clearly refine how he plays his game. Now... McCain, right? He has one interception, as you said, Sutton, and one forced fumble in 36 career games. Burner is inconsistent. McCain, you're getting consistently bad, I guess, is the right word to use. But McCain also is not bad. He's just uneven in terms of, you know, you never know what's going to happen with McCain on the field. So, I don't know. Werner is an upgrade over McCain, but can Werner come in this late in the game? And yes, it's late in the game because he's missed all his minicamp and all the offseason programs and learn this defense and learn the playbook and give McCain a run for the money. That is going to be a very interesting battle to watch during training camp. And it's going to be one that a lot of fans are going to be watching it and the media is going to be watching it and could have a big impact or will have a big impact on the secondary this coming season. If Werner can get back on track and get to the level he was with the Titans, because his three seasons in Tampa Bay were pretty bad, uh, the lowest rated of his career. If he can get back to his Titans days, then his secondary with Maxwell and either Xavier Howard or Tony Lippett on the boundary and Werner in the slot, things are looking much better than it would be with McCain in the slot. Do you agree, Sutton, on that? Yes, I do. And we also need to keep in mind that Bobby McCain is young and it takes a little bit of time for cornerbacks to develop the nuances and the techniques to be able to stay with these wide receivers that already has the game favored towards them. So, well, and plus 
McCain's playing in the middle of the field and he's going against the Edelmans and all these quick twitch guys. And I'm sure there is a steep learning curve and we'll, we'll see if he gets here or not. You know, it'll, it'll be an exciting battle. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of steep learning curves, one player who is not going to be facing a steep learning curve this training camp is Jay Ajayi. And Jay Ajayi is ready to go. He's ready to come back and he's ready to wreck hell and, and tackle and not tackle, but, but punish the opposing defenses. And he'll be looking right at, right at Jared McCoy, Gerald McCoy, that first week of the NFL season. And Jay Ajayi, what Adam Gase said yesterday at his press conference in terms of, you know, getting his workload under control, here's what he had to say about Ajayi. Adam Gase says he's going to do his thing. He's going to practice. He'll be all right. I'll make sure I manage it right. I know that seems to be a big concern. We have a good game plan for him. We understand his running style. He does a good job of telling us where he's at. He's not afraid to. If he starts to get banged up a little bit, he'll tell us. It's in a good way. He's constantly communicating to make sure that we know exactly where he's at. He doesn't hide anything from us. So for you, Sutton, you know, that's saying that Jai is ready to go and the coaches are in very good communication with him. And, and neither Ajayi is afraid to tell him how he's feeling and the coaches aren't looking down on him when he does say that he, that he needs to rest, that he is a little banged up. And that's important that they are all on the same page. And we know that at the beginning of last season and in training camp last season, Jay Ajayi and the coaches and the general manager in the front office were not on the same page. And then as things got rolling, as, as he had no choice but to grow up or he was going to get cut or traded, which was a very real possibility, things started ticking and things started going in the right direction. So for you, Sutton and JHI, do you think last year was a fluke, or do you think he's ready to continue his dominance this season? Oh, my gosh. The the tape that I've watched of JHI last year is just – his good tape is just jaw-dropping. His yeah. the angles that he takes, the explosion that he has, his vision, um, it's all there. And he can juke people, too. Um, so he is – a absolute joy to watch and freaking love him to death. Now, anybody that was a fan during the Wanstash years, you know we've ran a running back into the dirt before, and yeah. uh-huh. we do not want to, you know, compromise our young bell cow. Um, so I and I, I think I'd speak for all Dolphins fans, knowing that Gase is going to manage this the correct way. We're absolutely yeah. going to get the best out of him, and we. And it's going to be, uh, you know, we might get to this later, but that running back two between Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake, that's going to be a nice little battle there too, I think, who's going to be that change of pace guy for us. Yeah, a lot of people are not really talking about Kenyon Drake too much. But listen, this was a guy who got hit in Alabama because of just the depth in front of him and was given very rave reviews by Nick Saban to Adam Gates. And we saw a little flash of him last year. So we'll see what Kenyon Drake can do this coming season in terms of getting ahead of Damian Williams, in terms of his pass blocking, in terms of how he's able to carry the football, in terms of his vision, and how he's able to pick up the blitzes when they're coming full speed at him. Now, when you look at that part of the offense, and you look at the quarterback, which we know will be Ryan Tannehill, we talked about our offensive line, but then you move to the tight end position and the wide receiver position. Now, when you talk about the tight end position, a lot of people are looking at Julius Thomas and in terms of what he can do. Randy McMichael said on our program last week that if Julius Thomas stays healthy, that he will do amazing things in Miami and all of McMichael's records will fall. McMichael said that careers 
he didn't say exactly this, but in no uncertain terms, he reading between the lines, he said that players go to Jacksonville for the payday, then they get out of there and rejuvenate their career. Okay, it's like the death zone to go to Jacksonville. So for Adam Gase, Adam Gase had some encouraging words to say about Julius Thomas. He said this at his press conference. I saw a different guy when it comes to the run game compared to when we were together in Denver. But it was a different scheme, so I think this fits him a little bit better. As far as the passing game goes, I liked what those guys were doing in the spring. They spent a lot of time together, but he's, he's the newer face, and him and Tannehill trying to get on the same page. I like the process they went through. We had some good plays. He's trying to feel his rollout in this team, and he does a good job of that because he's a team guy first, and he's always going to see how he fits in and where his skill set fits in with the rest of the guys. We'll use him to the strengths, and we'll see how he fits in this year. Now, for me, that's very encouraging because Gates, as we know, does not put squares into round holes or pegs into square holes. He takes their strengths, and he utilizes it to the best of their ability. So for you, Sutton, what are you expecting out of Julius Thomas this coming season? And those encouraging words about him doing much better in the run game has to make all of us feel a little bit better. Yes, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I remember asking Randy this question last week about the two tight end setups. And that, that formation has me really excited for this year because I know Gase historically has used his tight ends quite a bit and he's had some talent to work with. And I think he wants to get back to that, and it's going to open up a lot of things for the, in the perimeter and for Landry and the running game. So when you have someone like Julius Thomas and Anthony Fasano having that kind of complementary tight end group there, man, having both those guys out on the field, you can run to Fasano's side or you can play action and roll it out to Julius Thomas. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do out of a formation like that. Julius Thomas, you know, I, I want to see him, uh, especially in that third preseason game, where we'll see the starters a little bit longer than anywhere else, uh, just to see what he's looking like in one-on-one matchups with linebackers, if he still has the, the lateral um, quick twitch that we saw in, in Denver with his double digit. I think he had like 13 touchdowns two years in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I, I think we're going to get the average between Denver and Jacksonville. So I think we're going to see somewhere in the six to seven touchdown range, uh, hopefully about 50 catches. Um, but more importantly, it's just a, just another piece of this jigsaw puzzle for this Miami offense. And I, I there's, I mean, who who do you try to take away? I mean, that's, I feel like we're finally in a position where we can, we can play chess now on offense. And I feel like we've been playing checkers in the past. Right. I mean, who do you take away on the wide receiver crew? You got Parker still Landry, right? Those three right off the bat. And then everyone else is lining up behind them for a job on the team. Tight end. You got Fasano, who is a very underrated uh, catcher and can make some nice catches out in the open field. And again, Julius Thomas, we just talked about. Then you got Ajayi, you got Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake, you got Ryan Tannehill who can run. So if everyone stays healthy and everyone's on the same page, there is going to be a lot of havoc the Dolphins offense can do. And we are certainly looking forward to that. All right. So, and let's move over to the live thread. What questions do we have popping up for us? Well, let's go ahead and get to a question from last week. And this came from Redwood and he was asking about the roster cuts. And I erroneously last week um, had said 
that there's, you know, that's still the trim down. Well, there's actually not anymore. It used to be from 90 to 75 and then on to 53. Well, now it's just from 90 to 53. So his question is, um, with the change this year, uh, how will this affect management's ability to churn the roster so they can constantly have the best possible roster of players throughout training camp and preseason? Will the Dolphins basically be forced to ride or die with the players they have at the time training camp begins? at least until rosters get cut to 53 a few days before the regular season begins. Um, I'll throw a couple thoughts out there, and then I'll throw this one to you, MC Money, because it's, it's a new thing, so we don't really know how this is going to play out. I did see a quote from Mickey Loomis, the owner of the Saints, earlier today about the roster cuts, and it seems like front offices generally are going to favor this because they get more looks at players that are on that roster cut cusp there so all these bubble watches it's going to give those types of players more reps and more time to stand out in that fourth preseason game to hopefully you know make that last ditch effort to make the roster so i think you're going to see front offices uh look at this as a generally good thing that they just have more opportunity to see these players yeah no you're absolutely correct and they're not going to be pressured to cut players at a certain time and they're going to get them throughout most of the preseason, unlike before where they had deadlines for this week and that week. They have to get down to a certain number of players. So I, I like the rule. I think it's smart, and, and you never know what's going to happen in training camp. You never know when a guy can all of a sudden turn it on and it all clicks for them. Anything else there, Sutton, in the live thread? Yeah, we have one from our loyal listener, Joe, and he said Daytona Doll fan for anybody else. Um, not a member of the Finsider. The question is, do you think we will see more outside practices this year other than secret practices or lightning to build their endurance? Shula would run brutal practices, but back-to-back Super Bowl rings say something. Um, I'll just do it like we did that last one. I'll just throw something quick out there, and then you can finish. Um, (laughs) Gates is no stranger to putting the guys in the elements. I think I saw – was it at the OTAs where it was just a torrential downpour? And he's like, well, let's go out and throw passes, you know? So he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't risk averse when it came to weather. Um, I don't think he's deliberately going to put them out in triple digit weather just to harden them, so to speak. I think he'll be smart about it in that way, but I don't think he's any stranger to putting his players through some stress. Listen, it is a different era between now and when Don Shula practiced. Teams were not playing, paying millions and millions of dollars to their players. These are investments now. These teams are run like a business. And, and every single team wants to protect their investments, especially their highest paid investments. If you don't have to put a player in harm's way, then you're not going to. And the other flip side of it, there's sports science. And sports science and all the other next-gen stats and all the other vital statistics and everything else, it's giving us new information. And it's telling us that if you put humans through these abusive practices, their body will wear down over time. And listen, starting tomorrow morning on that football field until January – Every single player in the NFL is going to be playing a hurt all the time, unless you're a backup quarterback who holds the clipboard. But that's just the reality. Everyone plays hurt all season. 
okay? Why put them in a 110-degree weather or 100-degree weather? Why put them in the rain if you don't have to when you could freshen up their bodies in the AC in the bubble, then come out for the, for the field work, and then go back in to finish off practice? In my opinion, that's absolutely smart thing to do. Um, yeah, the Dolphins did have an advantage in, in September games when, when they were in the heat, but they also had a brutal run game. And it's just more than the heat. It is not just the heat where they're able to kind of just say, okay, let's practice outside and let's beat our teams that come down here because they can't handle the heat. No, it's a lot more than that. And maybe we'll see that happening with, with Jay Ajayi now being that brutal running back. So, the technology is, yeah, the technology is just different now. I'm sure if Don Shula knew about hyperbaric sleeping chambers and high-altitude, you know, masks and stuff like that i'm sure he would have incorporated that into his regimen i mean it's all about getting the most out of human beings and there's so many different ways to go about that and the time that don shula did all of his stuff that was the mode of motivation and you know it was all about grit and you have to appreciate that about that era um but like you said we're in a different time now where it's all about efficiency and technology and that's just the way it is. So I, I think they're going to be very thoughtful and conscientious about how they approach everything, whether it comes to what they're eating or when they're sleeping or what they're drinking and all that kind of stuff. They have this down to a T now. And it makes complete sense for them to do so. Rob Carruth asks on Twitter, uh, what players are we going to be watching during training camp? For me, and I'll throw it to you afterwards, I think I already answered this with Werner, Alteron Werner, that new signing, Tony Lippett, Xavier Howard, Byron Maxwell, Bobby McCain. I am watching all of those guys to see who shakes out from there. I'm also going to be watching the running back situation, Damian Williams versus Kenyon Drake. Who's going to pop up out of there and take that number two position? And then also, I'm watching a lot of guys, but Raekwon McMillan and Lawrence Timmons. We want Raekwon McMillan to step up and be that starting linebacker we think that he can all be. And I want Lawrence Timmons to prove that he can be a one- to two-year stopgap until the Dolphins find a young replacement for him. Sutton, how about you? It, definitely excited to see where they got Raekwon in there. If they're going to slide him in, just right into Mike, and we just have a mic for the next five years, hopefully longer than that. Um, or they play him at strong side linebacker. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It just matters who gets the most snaps. Um, but the linebackers, that's going to be a good group to watch. You already said the secondary. Uh, probably the most glaring competition that we have will be at left guard. So it's going to be interesting to see who emerges from that um, pool of candidates. It's, you know, you're going to have Ted Larson in there. you got Craig Urbick in there. You got Isaac Asiata in there. Um, there's going to be some cross training going on with Steen and all these interior linemen. So it's going to be interesting to see if the the young buck can pull out this competition, or if it's going to be one of the learned scholar veterans. Yeah. So that's how every training camp is, right? There's always a few surprises, and there is always a few people that regress. And we're just going to have to see what kind of that is uh, this coming training camp for the Miami Dolphins. So we touched on a whole bunch of different things, and I think we really covered the major issues here. There is one more that I do want to talk about, and that is the defensive tackle position. So that is Udomic and Sue. 
Jordan Phillips. But the number three defensive tackle is undecided at this point. The Dolphins came away impressed with Devon Gotchalks after the offseason program, but they're going to see if he can continue this in training camp. If he cannot, they're going to look at the free agent wire and sign somebody else. We don't know a lot about Gotchalks. We know that he is, you know, a big guy, of course, as a defensive tackle. But in terms of, you know, what he can do on the field in the NFL, we are not sure. So that's going to be something that we're going to have to watch play out in the next few weeks and also in the first few preseason games. Now, your prediction, Sutton, what do you think happens there, or are you with me where we have to watch it play out? Yeah, we're going to have to watch it play out. I do, at the end of the day, think we'll end up bringing a veteran. Um, I have dug into Godshaw's game tape a little bit. Halts and I worked on an article together on Godshaw, and it really seemed to me it was all based on if he can time the snap well. There were times... Uh, there, there are some plays, rather, where I saw him literally, the ball gets hiked, and he doesn't react for an entire full second before he engages with the offensive lineman. And by that time, the play's pretty much already over. And then there are times where he just knifes through a double team, just, just destroys them because he times the snap well. So I think he's going to have a pretty steep learning curve there. Um, Vincent Taylor, I haven't really been able to watch him that much, to be honest with you. So I don't know. Yeah, so I I don't know what we have in there. I don't know if this is going to be one of those God Chaw's more of the pass rusher, Vincent Taylor's more of the run stuffer sort of thing, and we rotate them in based on down and distance and the situation we're in in the game. Um, But I didn't see enough good tape of either one to uh, think that we – We'll, we won't need a veteran later on. I think we're going to need to bring in some competition. All right. We'll see how that plays out as well. All right. I think that's going to be it tonight for Finsider Radio. We talked about a lot of different issues that I just mentioned. And like I said last week, the main issue, the main concern, the main goal of training camp is to get out healthy without any major injuries. We saw Kenneth Dixon and the Baltimore Ravens go out for, or actually no, the whole season with a, an injury. Joel Flacco, also just coming in a few minutes ago, about an hour ago, he's going to be missing two to three weeks with a back injury. Very important for the Dolphins not to get hurt, not to get you know, banged up too much, and to be fully ready to go week one of the NFL season. We're not going to do predictions. I don't believe in predictions. We may do Super Bowl predictions as we get closer to the start of the season. But in terms of record, I know it's a fun thing to do, but we're not going to do it tonight. It's too far away. Maybe as we get past training camp, then we will look into it a bit more and see if, you know, we have enough information at that time to make an educated guess. But in reality, it's nothing more than just a simple guess. So, and anything else before we hang up the phone tonight? No, just uh, want to say, Halts, we love you. We can't wait to have you back. Um, not the same without you. I also want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. His name's Fred. And... Uh, he, we got connected on Twitter. He ended up sending me a Bernie Kosar Dolphins jersey out of the nice. kindness of his heart. I didn't have to pay a single penny, so I wanted to thank wow. him live on air for that uh, that gesture. Can I be friends with him? Yes, you should follow him. All right, I'm going to do it. All right, that will be it this week for Finsider Radio. Enjoy the tweets coming from training camp. Remember, they hit the field early tomorrow morning and the rest of the week as well. 
We will be back next week with more information, more news, and yes, football is back. That means more inside information as well, and the only place you're going to get it is here on a hashtag Finsider Radio. For certain, the creepy soccer data, I am MC Money. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on Finsider Radio. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.